Welcome to another episode of Bucky's Bunker here on our Miami Valley Golf Podcast. In this episode, Bucky reflects on the Bogey Busters and its nearly three-decade run of bringing that day's top celebrities and athletes to our Miami Valley market. Bucky, take it away. Busters was a, an invitational golf party. I'm not going to call it a tournament because it wasn't a tournament. It was a golf party. And uh, it was held for 25 years wow. in Dayton here from 1967 to 1991. It was played at Dayton Country Club from 67 to 73, at NCR Country Club from 74 to 88. Kitty Hawk Golf Course, uh, 1989 and 1990, and the last one was at Beaver Creek Country Club in 1991. Okay, okay. What do you think caused them to move around as much as they did? Uh, Well, um, a couple of things. When they were dating Country Club, the tournament just all of a sudden got real big, and all they had was 18 holes, and they had to go to a bigger place. And they chose NCR Country Club because of its reputation, and they knew a lot of these celebrities would want to come just to play NCR South. You know, so uh, anyway, that went to NCR, and then and then they ran into financial problems, and NCR was charging more money than they could afford, and so they switched to Kitty Hawk. And that was really a strange thing to me at the time because Kitty Hawk didn't even have a, a clubhouse. Yeah. And these people uh, are used to playing at the at Riviera in L.A. Sure, sure, <laughs> so sure. they're, they're going out to the place that we refer to as Kitty Rock. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so they were there two years, and then uh, and, and then I don't know. They probably decided that Beaver Creek was a country club and maybe a little more sophisticated of a golf course, and so they uh, they went there for the last year. But by that time, it was floundering. Gotcha. So. In its heyday, it needed two golf courses, right? So, um, I mean, who was who? Who were the people that? Well, well, who organized it? Well, yeah, well, let, let's start with that. Okay. Uh, it was organized by Cy, Cy Lauder, right. who was a local businessman that ran a, a tool and die operation, or his family did, and they were quite well off. And uh, so, Cy Lauder. Um, uh, belonged to the Agonis Club, okay. and you're familiar with that. Oh yeah, we've been. And uh, so, so Cy is there, and he he was asked if he could get a speaker, and so he, uh, in fact, I think he was given a specific speaker, and and I'll have to look at my notes a little further. I'll come up with that in a little bit. Uh, anyway, so uh, he got the speaker, and and the guy came to town, and. And they talked, and and um, well, for one thing, uh, he, he he brought Bud Wilkinson in town, and Bud Wilkinson was the most famous college football coach of that time. Okay. He's from Oklahoma, and he had great teams and so forth. So he came in to speak at a father-son dinner put on by the Foreman's Club, and. Uh, so uh, Cy was the kind of guy, he just was bigger than life, and he 
he was one of these guys who was a great introducer. He's always had a smile on his face. He was a big, happy-go-lucky guy, and he just had something in his personality that that uh, you know that these people liked, and and he knew who to put with whom to play golf, who could benefit from being together. Gotcha. And 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 the thing turned out to be centered. They dealt a lot at the Lauder Corporation. Uh, they dealt uh, with uh, um, all of the uh, uh, car manufacturers in Detroit. Gotcha. And so, and so this it benefited his uh, organization mm-hmm. to have these people together. And so, uh, get, get, getting back to the story, so they had this dinner, and Wilkinson came to town, and so they invited some other people, and uh, they decided, side decided, maybe we ought to play golf. So. So he brought in Eric Parsegian, who was the former coach at Notre Dame, and Pete Elliott and Bump Elliott, who were uh, in, uh, Big Ten coaches, Paul Brown, okay. uh, who had just formed the Cincinnati Bengals, and Don Shula, the Miami Dolphins. Ah. And, uh, and then they were helpful in getting Otto Graham, the former Cleveland Browns quarterback, okay. and Eddie Arcaro, the famous jockey, and then they, he called the Tom Frerichs and Don Donner from UD, and he said, we just had a nice day of golf at Dayton Country Club. Then we had dinner at the Bicycle Club, and he said, uh, after Bud Wilkinson went and made his talk, he came back and he said, I never dreamed this was the beginning of something big. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so after they had this evening and they had a lot of fun, uh, Bob Lauder, Cy's father, and who was the head of the Lauder Corporation, suggested it would be a good idea if they could come back at the same time next year. Okay. And so next year at the same time, the first actual bogey busters was played at Dayton Country Club. And uh, it was just a one-day event then, and then eventually it was moved to a two-day event. And uh, then, then they got too big for Dayton Country Club, and they moved to NCR in 1974 okay. because they had the two 18-hole courses. Gotcha. Now, gotcha. a little bit on Cy Lauder I thought we ought to do. Sure. Cy Lauder uh, did this all the time and put this thing on, and the people in Dayton generally didn't know Cy Lauder. As strange as that seems, he went to Oakwood High School and lived in Oakwood all his life and everything, but... You know, the rich party with the rich. And so the, the average guy in Dayton really didn't know who this Cy Lauder guy was. Gotcha. But everybody out in, uh, out in the show business and everything, they all knew who he was. And uh, so uh, Cy, uh, this helped his business too with Lauder to, to be, uh, to have an occasion for all these uh, executives from from Detroit to come down and play golf because he did business with these people. And uh, so that's that was just the, how this thing got going. Now, Cy, uh, uh, the Lauder Corporation was one of seven major tool shops in Dayton at the time. Okay. And, and Cy graduated from Oakwood High School in 1944. Ooh. Later in the year, he was drafted into the U.S. Army. And in January of 45, he was wounded in France in the Battle of Bulge when he and another guy were operating a, uh, a gun, I guess, and, and they got hit. And 
he had an injury to his left arm that kept him from raising that arm the rest of his life. Uh -huh. uh, but anyway, he received a medical discharge from the Army in September of 1945, comes back to Dayton, went to UD for a year, and he was six foot three, and he wound up playing center for the UD basketball team in the 1945-46 season. Really? Now, I don't, have any, I don't have any stats on that, so I don't know whether he sat on the bench all year or whether he was a contributor to that team. But when I first heard that he played basketball for UD, I said, you know, I'm supposed to know everything about UD. And uh, I said, he never played for UD. And when I went to look it up, he did. Oh, oh, uh, so, uh, so he wound up finishing his college actually at Sinclair okay. uh, Community College okay. in okay. 1948. Okay. And so uh, he got into business with his uh, dad at the Lauder Corporation, and he was a vice president by 1956. And by 1960, he was president. Gotcha. And uh, because he was sort of a, a gregarious kind of guy, he became heavily involved in the community, and he was a trustee at Wright State. Okay. member of the Ohio Governor's Energy Commission okay. and co-chairman of Bob Hope's Xenia Tornado Fund. You probably remember I do. that, but I they do. had a fund. And Bob Hope was involved in that, and I think Lauder probably got him involved in it. Okay. And uh, so uh, anyway, uh, he, uh, he wound up working for Richard Nixon's presidential campaign in 1960. Uh, Cy was a loyal Republican. Okay. And although Nixon lost to John F. Kennedy in that campaign, Cy made many new connections with celebrities and political figures, and he met people like Perry Como and Bing Crosby and Bob Hope. Okay, okay. And uh, Lauder, Lauder eventually played golf with four United States presidents. Oh, wow. Dwight Eisenhower, Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, and George Bush. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and Gerald, Gerald Ford came to town and attended Bogey Busters ten times. Really? And once while occupying the Oval Office. <laughs> and and George Bush made uh, five appearances. I got a personal story about George Bush yeah. coming. Yeah. Uh, it, it was the year when Johnny Bench got injured in the middle of the Red Season, broke his leg, I think, and. So he was he couldn't play ball and wasn't even traveling with the Reds. So Bench got to know uh, Cy Lauder, and so Bench called me and he said, "You coming out to Bogey Busters?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Bring your golf clubs along." He said, "I can't play golf, but I can putt." And so bring your putter anyway. And so so I went over. I was going to be there anyway, and I brought my putter, and and so Bench and I were putting along in a golf cart okay. and we pulled up to this one place and and there's george bush okay and okay. so uh, so bench had met george bush before but i had not and so we chatted a little bit and our photographer came up from the journal herald and he wanted to take a picture of me with johnny bench in the cart okay so george bush is standing right next to us and he leans over in front of the cart and he puts his arm on the golf cart, supporting it, uh, his, yeah. uh, his hand yeah. on the front of the golf cart. Yeah. So our photographer takes a picture and he cuts off George Bush because he didn't think he was very important <laughs> and, and didn't, didn't know who he was. And so, so I have that picture at home here with 
with me sitting in the golf cart with Johnny Bench at Bogey Busters, and there's this one arm and hand on the front of the golf cart. And I always tell people, that's how close I came to the eventual president of the United States right there. That's funny. That, that's his hand and his arm. So that was kind of funny. Uh, and I've told that story many times. Uh, Cy was a, a decent golfer. Okay. And uh, so he could go out and play and many things. And because of his uh, ties with the auto industry, he played in the Buick Pro-Am in, Invitational in Michigan many times. Gotcha. And there he made, he made connections with people, including Ray Bolger, the dancer, performer, and... Uh, and Bolger later performed in a Bogey Busters uh, okay. event. And, and so these people then uh, came to Dayton after they got this thing organized. It was just those few people, and they decided to do this every day. And it just got it got bigger and bigger every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, early in the thing, Cy had somebody draw up this Bogey Busters emblem. Right. And he he was very good when it, when the people came in. He just had hats and jackets, golf bags, go bogey buster expensive go bogey busters golf bags, okay. and he gave those to s- several of the people who came. And uh, so all of a sudden, Gerald Ford, who who was president at the time, is pictured. Uh, on national TV wearing a Bogey Busters golf shirt. <laughs> and then, then Johnny Bench was photographed wearing a Bogey Busters golf shirt. Yeah. And then some of the celebrities started asking around, how do we get invited to that event? Gotcha. And so, uh, well, they had to call Cy Lauder. Okay. And uh, Cy Lauder once told me that he knew personally 98% of the people before they were invited. <laughs> so they had people, they had entertainers like Glenn Campbell, mm-hmm. Andy Williams, Bobby Goldsboro, Charlie Pride, Floyd Kramer, Ray Bolger, and Ray Bolger, and Foster Brooks. Remember Foster Brooks? I do. I the guy do. Who, did, who acted like he was drunk all the time. Uh, yeah, he, he really got Foster Brooks's uh, thing going uh, because he saw him doing something in a small event and invited him, and his appearances at the Bogey Busters set his career on fire and I mean positively and really? so uh, yeah he, he really his, the Bogey Busters really got Foster Brooks so well known because <laughs> at Bogey Busters he's performing in front of all these big timers who many of whom had their own uh, golf gotcha gotcha because I, so, I remember uh, him didn't they do like Dean Martin's celebrity roast during the 70s and he was on those all the time I think Foster Brooks was anyway uh, that's correct. He yeah. was. He, he he was. He got a lot of TV time at that time. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the people that they invited every year was Andy Granatelli. Okay. Andy Granatelli, who was the big uh, guy who operated the STP Corporation. Okay. And I got to know Andy Granatelli because I was covering Indianapolis race cars for for about a ten year period okay. there, and and Andy always had one of the one or two of the best cars in Indianapolis. Okay. So Andy's this big rotund guy, and and at some point the, the lotters figured out that Andy Granatelli doesn't play golf, but we got to get him involved in this somehow. Uh, he just came and enjoyed meeting all these people, and people enjoyed just seeing him. Yeah. And uh, so so uh, anyway, uh, Bob Water, uh, uh, size dad. Okay. 
was wearing was wearing a bright red jacket at the tournament. Gotcha. And so somebody went downtown, and they wanted to get uh, Andy Granatelli involved. So they bought a big red sport coat for Granatelli, who was a big man. And that gave birth to what was called the Red Jacket Dinner, which became a part of the, each Bogey Busters program. Okay. okay. And they would they would invite uh, well, all the people who were invited could go to this Red Jacket Dinner, which was held down at the convention center, I remember. and. Okay. Uh, I forget where else. I and think I saw I, it I went the, to many of these. The Nutter Center, maybe? Uh, I, I don't remember that okay. specifically. Okay. I don't remember that specifically. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, the Red Jacket Dinner was held every year, and they would honor some of the Boogie Busters' participants. Gotcha. And uh, that, so Cy would call up Bobby Knight, and he'd say, Say, uh, we're going to give you a Red Jacket uh, at the Bogey Busters dinner, and it's going to be such and such a date. Well, Bobby Knight's got to come that night to get his red jacket dinner. <laughs> his, his red jacket. So, anyway, at the dinner, they uh, after they had the dinner, they had a roaming magician. I remember who was going through doing tricks for everybody, and they had an ice cream booth. Okay. And an ice cream booth became very popular as something you didn't find at a place like that often where everybody had dinner. Now you can all get up from your table and go get whatever kind of ice cream you wanted. Yeah. Shakes, malts, <laughs> sundaes. Yeah. So it became another thing that was just particular to bogey busters. And, and people got used to this stuff and, and the wives were all invited. So it was a, it was a, you know, a husband-wife thing. So it became extremely popular. <laughs> so uh, the thing got bigger and bigger every year. People would call and sigh and ask if they could be invited, and he would run into people in person. And and uh, one of the people they had involved was Eric Parsegian, the head coach at Notre Dame. And when they decided what to do, um, with uh, the money they would collect and everything, Aaron has had some people in his family, I think a daughter who had uh, MS, okay. multiple sclerosis. And uh, so uh, Aaron was was very big in organizing MS benefits. And so uh, uh, Aaron said, why don't we make MS the beneficiary of this uh, tournament? Okay. And so Sai said, absolutely. So that got a lot of people involved who wouldn't otherwise have been involved because it was an MS fundraiser. Gotcha. And uh, so, so the thing just kept getting bigger and bigger, and and, and the, the dinners were bigger, and they would bring in superstars to be the entertainers, and most of the time those people came in for nothing. So at Bob one Hope point, uh, and folks at, like that? At one point, go ahead. No, I was just saying Bob Hope and folks like that? Exactly. Okay. Bob Hope was was here many times, and uh, okay. uh, I got a good Bob Hope, sto Bob Hope story. Okay. One year when uh, when Cy was able to get Bob Hope to come, and he came for nothing, uh, which was just incredible uh, with what he could make at an outing. Uh uh, sure. they de Cy decided, Bob Hope said he would come, and so Cy decided uh, that year to honor uh, Bob Hope, and uh, so not only did uh, Bob Hope come, came, 
Calvary now. Do you remember uh, that? I do not, but that that's that's even earlier than yeah, that's earlier than I can remember. But okay. Yeah, this this was the Les Brown band, which was very famous, and Les Brown came and bought his brought his entire band as they were uh, you know honoring Bob Hope. Wow. And Bob Hope had a pretty large ego, and he liked to be honored. <laughs> and so and he, and he loved playing golf. And so Bob Hope came. Uh, he, he came to the Bogey Busters. I don't know, maybe three or four times. Okay. But uh, uh, this first time he came, it was a big deal. And Cy just knew how to, you know, if Bob Hope's come, let's honor him. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now if he's going to be honored, uh, gee, of course Les Brown, the band, ought to be there. Okay. 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 <laughs> so then Les Brown got hooked, and he came for many years. Uh, and he didn't bring his whole band every time, but. Okay. Okay. I think pieces of the band, and so Les Brown became a guy who, who always came to the uh, Bogey Busters. Gotcha. But it was gotcha. largely largely because I just had this, uh, you know, this innate uh, ability to know who would like to play golf with whom and who ought to be there, and and he was very careful to invite uh, certain people and maybe not invite other people that might not uh, mix well with the, the first one he invited. Okay. And uh, at first it was all uh, people from uh, the Republican people okay. from Detroit. And then he decided, you know, we, this shouldn't just be a Republican party. And so then they started inviting other people. And, and uh, like in the auto industry, they brought, they brought the Ford people in after having had the Chevrolet people in for years. Gotcha. And, uh, so and he had the he had the CEOs of these companies uh, here. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't any uh, small deal, and uh, so and these people all love to meet meet each other. And I I noticed this when I covered the Reds, and Johnny Bench was real hot at that time in the early seventies. Yeah. And these these people just want to meet each other. I mean, okay. yeah, we were in Montreal one time, and and uh, there was a golf tournament there, and. Uh, and Johnny Bench wanted to meet Lee Trevino. Ah, and okay. so, of course, he's going to go out to the stop at the event just so he could meet Lee Trevino. And then that le leads to other things, and yeah. things just keep magnifying. And Cy himself played in these various events. One year he was playing, he was playing in the... Um, in the Bing Crosby clam bake. This was 1982. Okay. And he's playing the Bing Crosby tournament and made a hole in one on the 16th of Cyprus. Oh wow! And it was a it was a big deal. It got a lot of no got kidding. a lot of publicity at the time. That's now, a great now, last hole night, just for the heck of, heck of it, I looked up uh, the, you know the uh, the uh, press thing that they put out before the yeah. tournament this year. And they list all the holes and ones that were made by various people and everything. I thought Sai's name would be in there, but apparently they only included the holes and one made by the pros. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, so so uh, there's there's no uh, way I could file, check that record, but gotcha. I got clippings out and found out about it. And then then Sai would invite somebody, and they'd say, "Well, he'd say, well, you, you might not have ever heard of me. I'm Sai Lauder. I, I run the Bogey Busters at Dayton." And and the guy would say to him. Oh yeah, you're the guy that made the hole in one at Pebble uh, <laughs> Beach. <And> so, <laughs> so that kind of stuff happened, yeah. and uh, it was it was really something. Uh, 
So there we, was we a, had the newspaper. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say. So, go, yeah, you're, you're, it's your it's your show book. Go ahead. Uh, well, anyway, they, they were interesting as this thing got older. First of all, they didn't have gallery ropes. Ah. And then when it got real big, they had to get a lot of volunteers to put gallery ropes at certain places, you know, so people wouldn't run in and interrupt these people and playing golf. And there was no charge in the beginning. And then all of a sudden they thought, well, no, we better charge something. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then parking became a problem. And it just kind of got bigger and bigger. And here's this guy, Cy Lauder, whose strength was... Uh, introducing people to each other and then having a few laughs and uh and then other people had to kind of pick up and the lauders corporation staff was not very large uh so i had a secretary who who just suddenly for two or three four months was just busy as hell sending letters back and forth to these invitees and uh i know i used to go into the office because we would occasionally write a story about you know who who were the latest people to sign up to play bogey busters yeah and uh, i'd go into size secretary at lauder corporation and she'd hand me a piece of paper with the names of these people that Cy had confirmed and uh, several of the names were spelled wrong uh, okay. <laughs> and i thought oh, oh no uh, and i, I told her i said hey uh, do you want me to give you the correct spelling on some of these names? You can't have their names wrong when they get here to Dayton. And so we fixed the spelling on a lot of names just because Cy was not a good speller. <laughs> or at least one who wouldn't pick up on the spelling of Parsegian or gotcha. something like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, so anyway, I remember uh, more than once going over there because after it happened the first time, each year I would say, I better get over to Lauder Corporation and make sure... He's got some of these guys' names spelled right. Gotcha. So uh, that was just a, a little aside to the thing uh, that I, was, I found amusing because here I'm a sports guy and I know how to spell all these names. And yeah. uh, so uh, anyway, that was just, a, you know, one of the folksy things about it. Uh, um, it was, you know, a lot of events like this are run by corporations who have a whole lot of people you know, from their staffs to do it, and Cy and his staff and, and volunteers from Dayton, you know, were just doing everything. Yeah, I, it, yeah, that, so it was pretty much off the cuff the whole time then, primarily. Yeah, and uh, uh, so then, then it kind of became the, their undoing, you know. The thing got so big, and he, the more people invite, he needs to get shirts for them. I remember one time, I was in I was in line to I had gotten a thing from them and I was going to play in the tournament that year okay. so they had certain things for the players in the tournament so sure. I was in line to pick up my shirt and uh, I don't know what else is something small but uh, I was in line and I'm behind the, in, uh, behind the commissioner in one of our large college conferences okay. And they hand, they hand him his sack with his shirt in it. And, and somebody, if a guy was a big timer enough, he'd get a sweater and, and uh, he'd get a golf bag. And these sure. things were expensive. Yeah. And uh, Cy knew how to spend it, but he, he didn't know how to make it in this particular thing. Yeah. And so anyway, this, this commissioner uh, gets his bag. He opens it up, and he's got a shirt, and he doesn't like the color. 
Well, now everybody who had been told to send in the size of their shirt so they wouldn't have all larges and no, no, <laughs> everything else. And so this guy, he, he's, he's unhappy with the color of his shirt. And so they got to go rooting through some other bags and pull a, the shirt of the right size for him out of this bag. And I thought, what a jerk. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't believe that. You know, they're giving you all this free stuff, and there was no there, there was no entry fee for the tournament, and this guy is unhappy with his color of his shirt. So, the, the, so uh, anyway. There was uh, no entry fee for uh, the tournament that you're aware of? Please? There was no entry for the tournament at all? No, no. So, so this feeds to what eventually happened to it. It okay. just got too, too big, and and they weren't. Eventually, there was no money going to uh, multiple sclerosis because I was sending it, spending it all on. And then when they when it got real big, they need to hire buses and people. They bus people from. NCR downtown to the convention center and, and back to the hotel and and these buses cost money uh, you know yeah. you, you have to, you gotta hold them all day long they gotta be ready to take people whenever they want to leave the golf course and so uh, anyway there were a lot of expenses and everything it, it got to the point where they just weren't making any money and uh, and then word got around that no money was going to multiple sclerosis and, and, and that upset some people and uh, I guess the, the, it, it, the tournament I guess had just worn out its time so so uh, that was uh, the reason why in, in 1989 okay. they moved the tournament to Kitty Hawk Golf Course gotcha. Gotcha. and when, when they did that I thought this is one huge mistake mm-hmm. I mean these people are country club sure. people from L.A. Sure. And uh, and you're going to take them to Kitty Hawk? And hmm. so there, there was no no clubhouse at Kitty Hawk even. So they would just bus them in there, and I don't know what they did when they got hot. I guess uh, they could go in that restaurant or something. And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of the people were wives who were just out there to walk around and be yeah. guests. Yeah. Yeah. So they were, they, they, they had, they played at Kitty Hawk in 1989 and 90. And then, and then they knew Kitty Hawk wasn't right for it, so they moved to Beaver Creek Country Club in '91, okay. where they had the tournament for the last time. But, but what actually happened was that Cy got old, and a lot of the people that he had there got old, you know. Sure. And sure. and and some died over that period, twenty-five period, twenty-five-year period. Yeah. And uh, so it just. Uh, was no longer uh, the same, and and at one point, at, I forget which year it was, Cy convinced Johnny Bench to be the host of the tournament because he couldn't do it anymore and everything, and and um, and so for one year it was Johnny Bench's Bogey Busters. Really? And I I was very close to Johnny at the time, and so I went down at the time he had purchased the uh, distributorship for Coors Beer oh, in Cincinnati. I didn't know okay. And so he had an he had an office down there. I drove down to Cincinnati and interviewed him all about doing this tournament. And so Johnny just had one woman there as a secretary at the at his course distributorship, and she had plenty of work just to do that. And so I thought at the time, 
I don't know where this is going to work. I don't think Johnny Bench knows what's all involved in this. So they, he just did that for one year, and I never heard individually of, of, about how they decided to separate. But he probably just decided, hey, I can't do this. So, uh, But Cy felt like because he was really a hot celebrity at the time, that his personality would uh, help bring people aboard, too. So in 1991, 1991, this is uh, this is the uh, the last year of the tournament. Okay. I think it was after the tournament they filed for bankruptcy, and uh, that was pretty much uh, the end of the tournament. Gotcha. You mean so, so uh, the, co the corporation filed for bankruptcy? Uh, well, there was two different things. The, the corporate Lauder Corporation filed for bankruptcy because they had aligned themselves with some Japanese firm who okay. took them over uh, the hill and and actually Sai then tried to sue them and didn't get anywhere with his suit. Gotcha. And so you got the Lauder Corporation, which was really kind of bore the uh, brunt yeah. of most of this. Yeah. They get, they're bankrupt, and uh, that was it. So anyway. Okay. okay. Well, there's, I, don't, I don't know anything else about Bogey. Well, let me, let, me, let me just throw in a couple things here. So I, I just typed in um, Bogey Busters, and um, there's this, the history of UD Arena. It's, there's a webpage out here that has a lot of good detail on it. And, and um, I'm, I'm thinking, let's see here. So this is, um, there, there's no big name on this website. It's called DaytonArenaHistory.org. And it's got a big, nice, long thing about uh, Bogey Busters, and it looks like they really did a nice job with it. So I'll probably put that link out when we uh, share the the, the uh, podcast, if that's okay. And uh, okay, yeah, we'll go from there. Well, uh, you know, this thing this thing just kind of outgrew any kind of place they had because yeah. the stars they brought in were so big, and they were people who were hot. Uh, uh, yeah, I just wish I could think of some. There was one woman singer who was, uh, I can't come up with her name right now, but she had a song that was really big. And I remember going to UD uh, to, uh, you know, to that program because, you know, they just drew a whole lot of people. Oh, and I just yeah. don't think they, they managed it as well as they could have. Well, that's always going to be the case when something fails or something runs out of energy. So, yeah. But it seems like it was a great thing yeah. when it happened, that's for sure. I'm going to try to get some of the – I know there's some stuff at Dayton Country Club. I know they got some golf bags and some shirts and stuff, and I'll try to get some pictures to, to include in this post. But uh, Yeah, that'd be great. Very neat. Very neat. Uh, and, oh, and here's another story yeah. I've, I've told many, many times about this. One year uh, uh, when I got uh, Bob Hope to come, he calls me on, um, Hope was coming in on a plane on, uh, I forget what day of the week, but he, Cy calls me at home and he said, hey, Bucky, I got Bob Hope coming in tomorrow morning at whatever time it was and said, can you get a photographer out there to take his picture when he arrives? And I said, uh, Cy, we just, we just don't do that anymore. We used to, years ago when, when airplane flying was new, we took pictures of people coming down the steps oh, yeah, of the plane. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and we don't do that anymore. And he said, well, we got to do something for Bob because uh, Bob feels important and he's got to see some flash bulbs and some cameras. <laughs> so, 
I knew his personnel pretty well. He knew that Bob had the ego, and we, if if we want to make Bob think he's he's it was necessary for him to come here, we got to show some people. Okay. So uh, so anyway, I don't know what he did, whether he hired a photographer to take pictures, or what, but but we we didn't send anybody from the paper out. <laughs> It was always a tough thing for us at the paper, and, uh, and we had at that time we had like 15 sports writers, and and just a handful of us would ever cover the uh, uh, bogey busters. But we really never liked to cover the bogey busters because number one, there were so many people coming, uh, and and nobody was coming for any reason but to play golf, gotcha. and, uh, and and you could pick anybody out of there out of the whole group and interview them, but you have to have a reason to select them if you know what i mean oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and most of most of them for, for for lack of a better word perhaps were has-beens yeah you know uh they had made their big uh, you know hit as whatever they did whether they coached football or or drove race cars whatever they might have done and they weren't really in the news at the time yeah. and so uh, we we were always glad to be honest with you when the tournament came and left uh, you know when, when it was over and it was a great thing for people to go and probably I was a little spoiled because I was always invited to come to any of the functions and and did sometimes and I got I played in it one year and uh, it was at NCR I remember and I was put in a group with uh, three other guys including a former basketball uh, coach at Illinois I think and so I'm sitting way out there you know on the north course and I'm going to spend four and a half to five hours out there and I can't interview anybody while I'm out there That's right. so uh, I, I said no I, I don't want to be invited to play in this anymore I've done it now that's enough yeah. I've got to be available to run around and talk to the people who might yeah. be the most hot item of the day I don't doubt it. Do you think there's a list of people who played in some of these things that that uh, I mean? Because I know Byron Nelson played for a lot of times, and I know he met his wife Peggy. Byron Nelson. He, yeah. Byron Nelson came a lot of times, and he, he, his wife had died, and there was a, a a woman who escorted him uh, when he came over the first time, and he liked her, and he just said. Uh, can you have that uh, gal available when I come? And they said, yeah. And, and the gal eventually divorced her husband from Dayton here and married Byron. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so uh, um, that was a big attraction for Byron <laughs> to keep no going doubt. back, I no guess, doubt. at the time. Okay. Well, uh, Bucky, but, I appreciate all your time today. We'll get this recorded and we'll get this out and... Thanks again for doing this, and I look forward to the next time we chat. Okay. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For more information, be sure to visit MiamiValleyGolf.org.